Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of Bring on the Podcasts. I'm Luke Thompson, and Kansas State does have a football game this weekend, but we're going to focus on basketball because we had Big 12 media days this week, and football is just not doing so great. So Eric Grubottom is back with us. Eric, how are you doing? I am fantastic. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And we brought on Manhattan Mercury sports editor, Ryan Black. Ryan, how's it going? Hey guys, going pretty well. Thanks for having me on. So is this the busiest time of the year for you and basketball and football have that start to overlap? Uh, yeah, I would say that's definitely true because I mean, not that there are, there are more sports during the spring, but obviously right. just like anybody else on the K-State beat, you know, we don't travel with baseball or men's golf or anything like that. So yeah, definitely when you have this overlap for, you know, a couple of months between football and basketball, it, it is a grind, but you know, yeah. it's fun. I'd rather be, I'd rather be more busy than less. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. We appreciate the yeah. work that you do. But so I guess maybe we should just touch on football briefly. I guess yeah, the, the one thing that I want to say is that, you know, going into this game against Texas Tech, I, I think people shouldn't panic too much about the one three star because I, I think K-State has played arguably the three best teams in the league. At the same time, I do think the way they've lost those games, especially Oklahoma State and Iowa State, was certainly a little discouraging. So I don't know. I, I get it a little bit. What's your take on uh- that? You know, I would tell you that I really think for the, I mean, both of those two games you just mentioned, and really you can even throw in the Oklahoma game. I mean, I think you take one play from each of those games and you say maybe if it had gone differently, you know, potentially they would have been a win. I mean, think back, of course, the, the Oklahoma State game, just that, that terrible, terrible, you know, botch snap that, you know, Will Howard had. And then, you know, Oklahoma State goes up and K-State really never recovered after that. But, you know, at that point it was a 10-7 game. Then, you know, the Oklahoma game, everyone, of course, knows, 
you know, the double review deal. And I know <laughs> K-State at that time still was down by 10, but they would have had all the momentum after having just scored a touchdown. The crowd's going crazy because you recovered an onside kick. And then, yeah, they got the uh, interception, you know, three plays later. But again, the difference is you're almost at midfield versus then you're back at the seven yard line. And uh, I don't know, it just it didn't seem like to me you had the same energy at that point. And then, of course, in last week's game, you know, another call that was overturned, and it was the correct call, but it's it's the one where Phillip Brooks picks up 20 yards on, you know, a, a pass play, and then, you know, it gets reviewed, it gets ruled that, hey, it hit the ground first, so now it's, you know, it's just it's an incomplete pass. And then, K, then K-State misses a field goal, you know, and Tate and Winkle had been only missed one field goal uh, in five games prior to that miss. And then uh, Iowa State goes on a pretty long drive to then score a touchdown, so you go from it being – potentially 14 to 10 or at least 10 to 10 to then, uh, you know, 17 to 7. And that, that's a pretty big flip in fortunes. And then, uh, of course, you guys know just that crazy long drive that Iowa State had in the second half, which according to K-State was the longest in terms of time that the Wildcats had allowed in, since at least 1999. So it was one of those things where, again, though, if they at least get any points there, uh, it's a whole lot different than the fact that Iowa State went down the field and immediately scored and made it a 10-point game. So I, I think I just have to agree with your initial statement is that it would be one thing if K-State had just been just you know blown out in all three of these games. But mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, they had chances in all three. And to your point, I, I agree with you that they probably played three of the top four teams in the league. I would throw Baylor in there as well based off what I've seen from them, though. Yeah, we don't like to give Baylor any credit on this podcast. <laughs> no, <Nope>, not at <laughs> all. <laughs> no, I saw someone say that, and I didn't go check the math, but the, mm-hmm. the three teams we lost to are 17 and two. That's correct. Yeah. That, that's, 17 that's, two overall. that's not, that's not terrible. And, you know, and both those losses, by the way, are from, from Iowa state, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state still undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Iowa state lost to, uh, at Baylor. And then of course they lost the game, uh, against, uh, in-state rival Iowa. Mm-hmm who got exposed last weekend, but yeah, that was fun. Anyway, enough about football, but let's <laughs> go on to basketball season and we don't need to talk much about last season, but uh, like Eric and I were, were saying before we came on, you know, it would be really difficult to, to not be better this season. So I think that's, you got to set the bar there and, but you know, what kind I, of reason? I agree to an extent, except, of course, I think people would have said the same thing last season, too, you know, after how rough the previous <laughs> season was. So, but I, I do agree with you for sure. I mean, there's just, unless, you know, they suffer some bad injuries, I don't see, again, I just think this should be a really solid team. Yeah. So let's try mm-hmm. to start off with the positives. We know K State was um, picked to finish ninth in the Big 12, but, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of reasons can you give us that, that K State might surprise some people? And I'm going to put a restriction on you and say, not. Um, positives from Bruce Weber because I feel like he gives us a lot of comments. <laughs> Some of them are true, but a lot of times he's he's wrong too. So, <laughs> well, I think first and foremost, guys, I mean, you have to start with Nigel Pack. You know, I I was just shocked that he didn't get more you know recognition at the end of last season, considering you know true freshman coming into arguably the best league in college basketball and playing as well as he did. I thought was was phenomenal. He, he certainly. Uh, I mean, I knew I'd heard a lot about him coming into the season, but I think you guys know you kind of are just touching on it that you never really know how good a guy is going to be till he actually gets in there against other teams and, yep. and and actually proves it. And he was he was great. You know, secondly, I think you throw in his you know, his fellow sophomore uh, Davion Bradford played extremely well as well. You know, and, and look at look at how well, especially he played in that last game against Baylor. I mean, they just really had no answer for him when he could stay on the floor. 
Uh, and then thirdly, hey, I mean, bring back a sixth-year senior in, in Mike McGurl. You know, he he played a key role in in that victory you know, at TCU that ended the long losing streak. And yeah, you know, I think they ended just last season with a lot of confidence, considering. Uh, I think off the top of my head, guys, I need to double check this. But in the last 10 games of the season, uh, as they made their run of the national title, that was the closest game that Baylor had was the, the game that, that K-State, you know, almost almost yeah. knocked them off. You know, if you don't count, of course, the fact they lost Oklahoma State in, in the Big 12 actual championship game. Uh, so I'm just saying I think, again, K-State has a lot of a lot of positive things that they can take from just how last season ended as they head into this year. I think yeah. it's even more than just the just the Baylor game. You take a look at the last six games of the of the season. We went and K State went four and two, including yep. uh, beating number seven Oklahoma. So they were ending on a high note. I think what that you know dovetailing into the Bradford and Nigel Pack comments is just time. They have court time now, and uh, you know so I yeah. by default they're gonna they're, yep. they're going to be better this year. Yeah, and you know there are a bunch of new guys, and let's start with the. You know, the three transfers that come in, Marquis Knoll and Mark Smith and Ishmael Masood, um, and then the four guys that left in the transfer quarter, Antonio Gordon, Deshaun Gordon, Rudy Williams, and uh, Montavious Murphy. So yep. I mean, if you look at that as like as a trade, does Kansas State come out better? Oh, man. So you're, you're asking me if I think K-State came out better from the losses versus the additions? Right. Ooh. I mean, I hate that. I don't want to sound like a cop out answer, but isn't it? I think it's a little in a way it's too soon to tell, isn't it? I mean, we yeah, don't, sure. you know, I, I do think that if you had to put a grade on, on Montavious Murphy's career here, you just put an incomplete. I mean, he yeah, missed, mm-hmm. he missed more games to injury than what he played. And I, I hate it because he's an extremely nice kid, very soft spoken, cared a ton about this team. You know, I, I just hate that it didn't work out and it was no fault of his own. I mean, injuries are injuries. Uh, the Antonio Gordon situation is a completely separate deal, which I'm not even going to go into. But Dejuan <laughs> Gordon was really the only one that shocked me, you know, because he'd been a guy that every turn, you know, he talked about, you know, his love and his commitment to this program. And, and I was very surprised that he left. That you one, know, that one, out of all of the transfers they've had, and they've had a lot, guys, I'm sure you know, <laughs> since I've been here in four years, that's the one that really blindsided me. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, yeah. I just did not see that one coming. Uh, I'm not entirely sure I was blindsided by that one, to be honest with you. And the reason why I say that is this. Um, okay. I think we all I think we all wanted him to be here. And I think we all th- uh, thought he could be a critical component of this team moving forward. I think we all thought he had a lot of energy, a lot. He actually did have uh, a, 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 the uh, I, I was so I think, an 18 wheeler in your in your. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so someone's on a tugboat. <laughs> um, the reason why I just wasn't that shocked by that is what you say into a mic is a lot different than what your body language is on the court. And there were just so many times throughout the season, watching Gordon on the, on the floor, watching him in timeouts, that sort of thing. He just didn't look happy. He just didn't look content to, uh, and, and engaged and wanting to be here. And, and I'm not saying that he was, a tr- uh, like a problem in the locker room going back to the beginning of Bruce's tenure and all of the problems that we had there. Absolutely not saying that. It just didn't look like he was happy with the trajectory he was on. And it's unfortunate he left. I don't think anybody wanted to, to see him leave, but you know, if you really reflect back on that, I can probably see it coming. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing, and I will say this, he, he certainly, it never got to the point where, like you said, the on-court maybe body language reached, you know, Cardi 
John right. level was probably right. bad when because everyone knew everyone knew he was headed he was headed out after after that his last season here. Yep. But I, I do think the only aspect of about Gordon, I'm sorry, Dejuan Gordon, just because there were mm-hmm. the two Gordons at, at that time of his transfer that didn't surprise me was, you know, I just always heard from just various people that he, you know, he wanted to always have the ball in his hands mm-hmm. and the previous season. Okay. You know, I, I guess because of the way that team was constituted, it, it, it was, you know, he kind of needed to be kind of the primary guy, but as soon as, as Nigel Pack got here, that just wasn't going to be the case anymore. And I just think he kind of shaped it playing off the ball all the time. And the times we had to come off the bench, I, I just think that those were the two things that, as much as maybe the coaching staff tried to, you know, address that with him, I just don't think he ever he ever bought in on that point. Now, yeah. I do think what's funny though, like I, I think, you know, Luke, the question you kind of posed initially about the full trade, I don't know, but it is very funny that they did trade basically Smith for Gordon with the Missouri and K State right. swap. And in that yeah. case, I would say probably K State got the better of it, just in terms of I think Smith fits more of what K State needs as opposed to what to what Gordon had at the time. Yeah. And well, incidentally on that, I mean, I think this is a little off topic, but I think Mizzou is a better fit for, or Dejuan fits better with, with Mizzou than Mark Smith did. But, mm-hmm. So I think maybe both teams won that, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, a quick we- explanation, guys. I wanted to, um, so it's election season and there's a big group out on the corner, uh, the, the block, you know, getting people to support this issue. And so they're having a bunch of trucks honk. That's what's happening. Okay. Gotcha. I was like, well, I do sound like horns or something. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think, uh, you know, trying to answer the same question, I would also argue, you know, let's, let's wait and find out. But if you put a gun to my gun to my head and said, make a decision right now, it, it's really hard to say that it's not at least a wash. If not, we didn't get the, the better end, end of the deal. And it's strictly because we've got guys coming in that have court time. We've got guys that coming in that have played at this level other places. And I think, honestly, the work that we did in the portal this year, uh, getting uh, Ish Masood and Marquise Noel and uh, uh, who, was the th- who was the third one? Uh, turn your brain on. Uh, Mark Smith. Mark Smith, yeah. So, yeah, getting getting those three guys out of the portal versus what we lost. And it, it just, if you made me make a decision right now, I think we got parts that are actually going to benefit our team better this year than what we gave up. Well, I mean, certainly, again, it, it, just depending on how you view, like I said, Murphy Murphy leaving, just because he could never stay on the floor. Like you said, you may be saying it. it's with with uh, Antonio and really Antonio and Dejuan, maybe it's going to be a better, you know, locker room environment. And then Rudy Williams was a super, super, super nice kid. And I really, I really liked him a lot. But I will say, I think it's good that Bruce Weber decided to take a pass this year on uh, signing the top ranked Juco point guard because two years in a row, that has ended up with both the guys transferring out. Of course, the previous one being David Sloan, as you guys right. might remember, ended up going right. to East Tennessee yep. State. Right. Did Martavius get picked up anywhere? I still have not seen him. That I've seen him sign anywhere. No, not yet. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I I haven't seen it either. And uh, you know, I wonder if that's just you know worried about his his ongoing health issues and that sort of thing or if that's a decision has he's to be. on his part or what it would be ha- has to be right because I mean you have to think that other programs don't want to. Don't want to give a scholarship to just a guy who's proven he can't he, he just can't stay healthy. Which again, yeah. and I just I hate it. I hate it for him. I hate because yeah. again, it's no fault of his own. It just just injuries happen sometimes, and yep. you know, uh, it just it just. Well, just and I'm sure that I mean happen. with COVID and everything else, I'm sure the the transfer portal is more crowded than it's ever been. Before. Oh yeah, for so. sure, mm-hmm. for sure. So many guys now also you know, had to make that decision of 
you know, with the COVID stuff, did they want to play closer to home as opposed to maybe being across the country, if that was the case? Mm-hmm. And so looking at that and where the new guys will fit in, I mean, it seems obvious with Nigel Peck running the show that Marquise Noel could be could be a pretty good option for energy off the bench. But Smith and Masood seem like guys who, who could maybe get into the starting lineup right away, wouldn't you say? I mean, you get something like those two guys and, and Peck and Bradford. And then yeah. maybe McGurl or, or maybe San Miguel at shooting guard. I think you just hit on what our starting five is going to be. I actually, uh, I actually think it's going to be, I think it's going to be Smith and Pack out front. Miguel playing a third, uh, a third guard. You know, go th- basically three one one type setup. I think Bradford's going to be in the middle, and I think you're going to have Ish, you know, Ish playing that stretch four position. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think maybe potentially might be Selton Miguel instead of Smith, but I think yeah. all the other four seem pretty accurate. Yeah. The only reason I, sh- I shade towards Smith is simply because I know, I, I know that Bruce appreciates experience and having being able to put a fifth year, fifth year senior out there that has, that he's recruited in the past. It, it feels to me like that's something that Bruce is going to feel more comfortable rolling with as opposed to putting Selton out there. Well, and and potentially might be, you know, once he gets back to 100% health, it might be Casey in place of Ish. But it just depends on where they actually want to have Mm -hmm. two bigs on the floor at the same time. Yeah. I heard that Casey was uh, playing without his knee brace already. Is that true? He, well, at the open scrimmage last week, he was not wearing like a knee brace, but he did have one of those full sleeves on like his leg. Got it. So It seems like, yeah, when you're talking about Ish and Casey, it's like, if you want offense, you're going to go with this. If you want yep. defense, you're going to go with Casey. Correct. Right. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. So, I will tell you what's funny is because I, I guess just there had been some comparisons thrown around that Ish plays very similarly to you know Dean Wade. And <laughs> what was so funny was someone asked Mike McGurl about this comparison at the Big Twelve Media Day uh, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and. He was being as absolutely diplomatic as possible <laughs> about saying that Ish is a very good player, very good player, da, da da da. But he's like, but you know, you know, D, you know, Wade, Wade was just a different, a different cat. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Yeah, Wade's like, in the NBA right now. So. Yeah, well, let's plus, pump, let's pump the brakes on that one. A well, bit. plus, like, I mean, you know, I mean, you're asking, I mean, you're trying to compare him to an All Big Twelve first team player you know i mean that that's a little unfair to ish honestly too you know so yeah. but it was just it was funny to me that you know usually teammates are always like oh yeah you know this guy is this or this <laughs> guy. he's like eh, you know let, let's just kind of you know let, let's be fair to wade here you know Hold on. yeah yeah yeah, for sure. yeah it, i can't it, remember who asked him that but i just I, I got a good chuckle out of how mike was trying to get in a pretzel about trying to be nice to his current teammate while also being respectful of his former teammate, you know, because he's been here so long, he obviously did play, did play with Wade the first couple of years he was here. Mm-hmm. Is Mike McGurl entering? Uh, is he en- entering Brady Morningstar <laughs> roster? Uh, roster uh, man, sta- status. I mean, it's what was really funny was he was talking about. Also, again, this was at the media day. He was saying that with Maximus Edwards, a freshman who's now here, also right. being from Connecticut. Like there are teammates who make fun of like their Connecticut connection. And I'm just like, what's there to make fun of about Connecticut? Like I've never heard anyone say like, oh yeah, Connecticut, that state everyone hates. Like if it was New Jersey, I mean, you hear a lot of people yeah. make jokes about New Jersey, but I've never heard someone say, oh, Connecticut. Just a, I mean, I don't know. So I guess, I don't know if maybe it has something to do with accents or something. I mean, I haven't heard Max talk yet. So maybe he has a thick accent or something, but 
I don't know. I just find that a little bit comical to hear that, like, oh, teammates are making fun of our new uh, Connecticut connection. I thought that was a little, <laughs> bit, a little yeah. bit absurd, really. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition because, you know, we yeah. talk about the transfers are getting all the attention, but yep. there are a couple of freshmen, Max Edwards and Logan Landers, and, uh, almost an afterthought. But, you know, where do they fit in on this roster? How much playing time might they get this season? Well, I mean, I think, you know, ideally maybe maybe one or both of them would, would be able to redshirt, but I think I think Max will definitely get in the rotation. You know, he you know, he looked really, really, really good in the open scrimmage the other day. I mean, he was making plays. He seems to already have a good feel for like when to, you know, maybe more press the issue and when to kinda of take a step back. You know, Landers and, and you know, when, when Weber was asked about him at the media day, he just kind of mentioned that, you know, he's still coming along. I know he's coming off an injury from his high school season, as well as just that he's dealing with – I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Weber just basically said that, like, anything that Landers does wrong, he takes it like it's the end of the world. Like, he just hates, 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 hates making mistakes. And it sounded like, you know, Weber was saying that was to his detriment, you know, because like there's there's one thing about like using like uh, mistakes to motivate you. But it sounds like for him, it's more of a it doesn't help his game. So I, I think he's just got to work through some of the things that you know, freshmen have to work through as they they're coming and playing at a, a higher level of basketball. Than they've ever played it before. But yeah, he maybe could give them some minutes off the bench. But I definitely if you're asking me between those two, I definitely expect Edwards to get a lot more playing time. Yeah, based I think on what I've seen. I think, well, I think I think Logan's playing time, and you know, even if he get, if he completely redshirts, uh, is going to really depend on uh, the the prognosis for whether or not Lingard uh, how quickly he comes back from being yep. banged up a little bit. Yeah. Because if if Lingard gets back on the uh, we know we know Lewis is out for the year with the ACL, yep. but with with Lingard back on the roster, and if he can play and, and be healthy, it's a depth issue at that point. I mean, Logan's got so many people in front of him at, at that point that it's probably better off for him to redshirt and just you yep. know. Like you said, get get used to making mistakes and learning from it. Yeah, well, but I was going to say, you know, knock on wood, but given K-State's big man injury history, I think Logan better be ready. Someone's got a foot coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, in, in Weber, in one of the yeah. Zooms that we did, and, you know, prior to them, I guess it was actually the first day they started, you know, preseason stuff. He did mention that that maybe does give Landers more of an opportunity now that, like you mentioned, Siri being out for the year after tearing his ACL. So, I mean, I, I love Lingard's game a little bit that we've seen. He has a really nice stroke for a big man. I know he needs to put on a little more weight, but uh, I, I just would love to be able to see him on the floor more if he can actually stay healthy because I just like watching him play. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, next thing is another thing that I feel like we, we talk about every preseason and we get our hopes up and then things go poorly, but that's the, the three-point shooting. You know, we've got Nigel Pack as a reliable shooter and seemingly Noel and, and Mark Smith and even Ish Masood are our guys who are coming in who can shoot the three. You know, is there reason to believe that this is the final team that won't be the worst three-point shooting team of the Big 12? Mm, well, I mean, I think like you, they, you at least have a good core to build around in that department, especially like I said, starting with Pack. You know, I, I actually asked Weber, you know, 
how how close is Noel to being better than Pack? And he said, well, Noel probably has a little bit deeper range and is more willing to fire it from you know <laughs> these ridiculously long distances. But he said that Pack's just more consistent day in and day out. And then, like you said, from there, you know, McGurl can get hot at times, and like Smith should be able to contribute as well as as Masood. So I think for me, when I think back on it, this team seems to have more reliable like options, you know, as opposed yeah. to some of the previous years, it seems like, you know, we kind of always heard about, you know, maybe Cam Stokes being the key guy to, to hitting threes, but it didn't seem, and then Wade obviously could step out and hit them as well, but it didn't seem like they maybe had consistency at some of the, uh, in terms of beyond maybe one or two guys where it seems like this team in the, you know, this is now being my fifth year covering the team, uh, fifth season, it does seem like this just team has more options in terms of perimeter shooting than any of them since I've been here. So yeah. I have I have heard from people not named Bruce Weber mm-hmm. <laughs> that, this, that this this team can flat out shoot it and that Mike McGurl isn't included in the people that are, oh. <laughs> are relied upon to flat out shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, Pac shows that 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 stroke that he's got. We we know that Noel can definitely step out and hit the shot. Yep. We know that Masood can step out and hit that shot, which is probably where some of the preemptive Dean Wade comparisons are coming mm-hmm. from. Uh, but you know he's got two seasons under his belt and is shooting thirty seven percent from behind the arc. So uh, like to to your point, Ryan, there's not only do we have some folks that can actually knock the shot down, but we've got a number of folks that can yeah. step up and knock the shot down. So. Well, I'm I'm sorry I didn't even mention uh, Luke Kasupki, you know, because he's a guy who came in as kind of having yeah. that was uh, supposed uh, to be his stick. Right? I, I got to see it to believe it. Yeah, and, and that's and that's actually. <laughs> Again, something I did ask Weber about, and I'm just like, are we – because, again, he actually did exhibit that some in the open practice we saw at the beginning of this month and then as well in the scrimmage. And I'm just like, you know, is that something like I asked Weber, are you, are you guys actually seeing that every day or is he just showing this these two things that have been open to the public? And he said that, you know, because what people have to remember was last year, you know, Kasupi came in and I guess he had – he bet, I don't know if Bruce was supposed to say this, but he said, well, he had the coronavirus and then he had, then he was in contact tracing and then he already had an injury that he was yeah. recovering from. Mm-hmm. And then he was thrown in really late in the year on the road, uh, you know, against a Texas team that had multiple guards drafted. So uh, like I, said, I know, I mean, and in, in a way that's kind of how I wanted to answer your question was like, I guess I'll believe it when I see it about a K-State <laughs> team being a really good three-point shooting Absolutely, team. Yeah. But Kasupia, it seems like, is another guy who could at least, and he's not even a name we mentioned initially, but he's another guy who could factor into that. You know, Kasupke last year when we did finally get to see him, because he redshirted a year before before last year even happened, right? No, um, no, he was a freshman. No, no, last year was his, his first yeah. year, that's right. And anyway, so he, the book on him coming in was that he could shoot the ball, and then all of a sudden yep. we, he gets thrown in late in the season after, you know, everything that everybody went through and just didn't shoot the ball very well. It looked to me during the games that he played in that the game was just too fast for him at that yep. point. He just didn't have the on-court time. He didn't have the reps. I'm really interested to see after that little bit, an entire offseason, if he can come in and look like the game slowed down, I'm really interested to see if he can actually shoot the ball. Well, it was interesting to read the comments from Mark Smith and Ryan. You might have been there. I was just reading the transcript. But he said, you know, yeah, Kazuki looked like the Luke Kazuki that I saw at Chaminade yep. in High School because both those yep. guys are from St. Louis. Yeah, calling him Chaminade Luke is what they were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so hopefully that's true. Yeah, and no, that's just like I said, guys. That is what is, uh, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, a little bit earlier. Is that we just never really know when we hear all this positive stuff from coaches and teammates in the preseason. I mean, are these guys going to be the real deal, or do they just look good because maybe your team is not good? And then once you play a team that's an opponent that's much better, <laughs> then you find out kind of your quality. And yeah. so, 
I mean, I think though, you know, for him specifically, because we're talking about him, uh, I do think exactly what what Eric said. I mean, it's the fact that he's now going to ha- having had a whole year to now get more uh, used to just acclimating to the speed of, of what it's like playing at the D one level and specifically all these you know Big Twelve games. Yeah. Well, and I guess the good news is we should get to find out where they're at pretty quick when they play in that Hall of Fame Classic in mm-hmm. November. You get Arkansas and then Cincinnati or Illinois. Do you think? I mean, obviously there's a lot of new guys, but they're new guys with Division One experience. And I think that helps them like come together a lot faster than last year's team did. And also, I mean, they've got the advantage of having full practices in like last year. That's helpful. yeah. I do. Th- oh no, yeah, go on, Eric. Sounds like you. Were <laughs> no, saying. I was gonna say just the full practices part. It's kind of nice to have your team yeah. actually play together before you go actually play a game. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I was just gonna say just the fact that they put that you know the the practice stuff aside, but now they can actually be together as a team and go do the team building activities and things like that. That I mean, maybe we as reporters or fans maybe think, oh, well, who cares about them going out and bowling or whatever? But those those are just those are ways that you build chemistry and connections with you know your teammates off the floor. You know, and again, they just couldn't do anything last year other than like they go to practice, they're masked up, they do all this, and they go back to their dorm rooms. Like they couldn't really do anything. And now, I mean, I just think that, like you said, now that things are closer to back to normal in a lot of respects, I mean, there are still some things that are, you know, not completely back to pre-COVID. But uh, I do think, just like I said, the time being around together as a team on and off the floor, you have to think is going to at least pay some dividends at some point in the season. But, you know, like you said, Luke, they are getting – they got a pretty tough slate there, the games three and four with, like you said, that, that Hall of Fame Classic is a really good field this year. Yeah, and then early December you get Wichita State. I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year, but that's that's fun to see that back on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, they should beat Nebraska at least. <laughs> I mean, Nebraska just has been so bad. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to get better under under Hoiberg, but that I mean that's a game I feel like you as a you know when you look at K State's schedule, you're like, well that that should be a, that should be a win. You should be able to pencil that game in as a win. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I want to see the Bruce Weber versus Illinois matchup. I think that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I don't know if he wants it, but but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, uh, well, before we let you go, yeah, that's, that's I want to ask you a couple of kind of long-term, bigger picture questions. Sure. First of all, talking about Bruce Weber, and, you know, this is another question I feel like we let, we ask you every time. You know, what does Bruce Weber need to do to just stay off the hot seat? And, and just to be clear, because I know a lot of fans are going to say, well, he should be gone, whatever. But let's talk about in the eyes of Gene Taylor, because that's obviously the most important person. So you're basically asking me what, what Weber has to do this season to kind of at least you know, be around for the 22-23 season? Is that kind of the – Right, right. You know, I, I don't want to say it's NCAA tournament or bust. I'm sure that's what most fans feel. Uh, and I mean, I, like to, I think there are a lot of fans who they're like, if he doesn't make the tournament this year, it's it's done. I guess I'm certainly knowing what I know about Gene Taylor. He's not so, – I mean, you guys even saw this last year, right? I mean, he, he has a pretty even-keeled demeanor about this stuff, and he's not just going to have a quick trigger on this kind of thing. My thing is I think they have to at least be kind of on the bubble – kind of all year for the tournament I, I just think if things get off to a really really bad start and at the end of the season they're just playing out the string of games and just hoping they get like an NIT bid or something I mean I don't see how after now having two of the worst seasons they've had in you know, post-World War II in back-to-back years I, it, it just seems like you would think it's probably gonna be tough for, for Weber to survive this if even if putting 
Gene Taylor's part aside, you would just think the fan base is going to be in such an uproar about change that I, I don't see that he would be willing to. Uh, let me. Go, I, I don't. I just don't see how he would be around for the following season. That, that's that's certainly my <laughs> opinion. I mean, like I, said, I know that some people are like, well, no, if it. If he doesn't make the tournament, it's done. My thing is, like, to me, as long as they're at least right on the precipice of it and they're maybe the first four out or something, for instance, I, I mean, hey, I, that, that still means they had a pretty pretty good season, you know, and it probably means they at least finish, you know, sixth or so in the, in the Big 12. So I don't know if that aligns with what you guys think or not. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, even being on the, just being right there on the bubble, first four out, next four out is a heck of a bounce back from a nine and 20 season, especially one where four of those nine wins came in your last six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, the other thing is, let's not forget, I mean, the start of the Big 12 season, like those m- margins, the deficits, the case they was losing by were just obscene. Yeah. 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 You know, more so than the, the NCAA tournament or bust comment, I will admit that my personal opinion, I think I'm right there. Like, I think we've got to get in or, you know, it, we should at least be upset that we got left out in order for him to stick around. But I think the more the, the more exacting measure to me was when you said, you know, finish somewhere like sixth out of the Big 12. Yeah, I think we got to get there. I think if we finish in the bottom four of the Big 12, I don't think he's going to be here next year. Okay. Well, and I do want to make sure that you guys recall that, you know, I've always been a lot more measured in my response about Bruce's job security and written about it that way sure. than the people who are just like, oh, you know, he's, there's no way he's going to Sometimes gonna make- you've, you've made some people mad by doing that, right? Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm, okay. Uh, I'm trying to see how much I want to say on this. Let's just say there were other people who, when I wrote that story last year, in the middle of the season, where Gene Taylor said our intention is for Bruce Weber to be back. And I had people commenting to me like, this means nothing. Bruce won't make it at the end of the year. Bruce will be gone the day after the Big 12 tournament finishes. And I just said, okay, let's see. I will stand by my reporting. I mean, I wish those same people were coming at me now, but they're not. So whatever, you know, that's how it is. So my point is I just – I stand by the fact that, you know, there are certain – ADs I've worked with where I can tell when they're selling me a bill of goods and Gene Taylor is a strict shooter. And I knew that if he didn't really plan to bring Weber back, he would have massaged his message more. But I, I pretty much knew, like I said, unless they had more games on the scale of the two Baylor games last year in the regular season, not obviously the big 12 tournament game, that would be what it would take for Weber to be gone. If they were just losing badly, badly, badly every single game. And, and again, they, they did have a few really bad losses in terms of margin of defeat. But like you guys said, you know, finishing the way they did, and they had some really close losses as well. My, I think that, you know, that uh, even though fans don't like hearing it, you know, you know, Taylor took into account the totality of everything, of what you guys have already brought up about the fact that there were a lot of newcomers on that team and the fact they just they didn't really get a lot of time together on the court, you know, yeah. not just, you know, prior to the season, but even even in the season, just with the way the COVID protocols were. So I and think the other thing is some of those worst losses were without Nigel Pike on the floor. Correct. We talk, correct. already yeah. talked about what a difference maker he is. So. And, and so my thing is, guys, I think let's just put it this way. Had last season happened and it not been a COVID, you know, impacted season, Weber probably is gone. But I think it's mm-hmm. when you have to view it through the prism of, look at how crazy COVID has made everything. That was a big part of, of why he's back. That's just my two cents on it. You know? Yeah. I think, I, I think that's pretty fair. I would, the, the only wrinkle that I would, and you, you clearly know more about it than either of us do just from your connections, but you know, just the spin that I would put on it from my own observation is the last six games probably saved his job. 
Yeah. Because it showed what this, the direction this team was going once they had yep. that kind of time together and everything Correct. like that. Correct. Well, because again, you just saw, I mean, can we saw like Pat kind of from the start of the year, what he could do, but I think to me, especially you just saw how much Bradford had improved over the course of the season, yes. how much better he was playing. Yeah. 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 So let's end this on a different note. It's going to zoom out even more. Uh, it seemed like a big topic yesterday at the big 12 media mm-hmm. day was realignment. So Ryan, just put it to you. The big question is, does the conference get better or worse with the additions and subtractions that we need in basketball? Okay, and you're saying for basketball only? Yeah, for basketball only. Um, Again, Cincinnati is a town and program, even though now it's, it's being known for football. I mean, it has always been a very good basketball school, you know, and I, so I think that's a positive. BYU obviously has had a good tradition over the years. They've made, I believe, something like, 35 NCAA tournaments in their history. And, and so they're, they're a very solid program year in and year out. Houston, obviously, I mean, I mean, they, their program at this point kind of speaks for itself, right? I mean, how good they've been since Kelvin Sampson got there. And then of course the history they have with five slam and jam and all that. UCF is really the only one where you're kind of like, eh, but I mean, they did have, you know, the team a couple of years ago that lost to Duke in that crazy NCAA tournament game. So, and, and Hey, you know, Orlando and just Florida in general, you're going to have some good players down that way anyway. So, I guess if you're saying taking those four against the two that are leaving, oh goodness. Um, I mean, I, I guess I mean to me, just if you just go by just the sheer number, they're going to get better from that point. You know, Texas. We kind of know about Texas having been so underachieving really ever since, you know, ever since Rick Barnes no longer was the coach. Oklahoma mm-hmm. at least was a very consistent winner under Lon Kruger. You know, K State great, and so. Uh, you know, I don't know, guys, if either uh, – let me just wait. I don't think you maybe have any two pairing of the other – of the incoming schools that maybe are better than the Oklahoma-Texas one. But I think if you count just what they bring in total, I would say that the conference is going to get better as a basketball league. Like, yeah. really with UCF being the only real kind of question mark in my own mind. Right, yeah, I think that all makes sense. Yeah. You have anything to add to that, Eric? I think it gets worse because Kelvin Sampson doesn't belong in basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But put That's it fair. putting that putting that aside, you know, I think that UT is just a per- perpetual underachiever. Um, yep. So it's really hard to you know it, it's know. it's kind of like football too. It's it's like it's really hard to say that. Yeah. But Texas basketball actually hired a good coach. Texas football hasn't really done that for a while. Yeah, they, well, they thought they have, and then they thought they had yeah. again, and then they thought they had again, and I don't know, maybe it's something in the water. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think overall quality, I think, you know, Cincinnati's a really nice brand to have from a basketball standpoint. Yep. I think BYU's there too. The UCF thing is, uh, Houston, absolutely. It's just uh, Kelvin Sampson, ugh. But, uh, but yeah, the UCF thing is, uh, it's... It's out there, but honestly, from a brand standpoint, is it real? Is it uh, you know, are they dragging anything down? No. So I th- I think you know what put the Kelvin Sampson comment aside. I, I think the conference is a basketball conference is right where it should is right where it was, if not even just a little bit better from a footprint standpoint. And you know, Eric, if it helps, Kelvin Sampson is sixty six years old. Maybe by the time Houston gets to the Big Twelve, he'll be gone. You know, he's got to be thinking about retirement soon. Hopefully. <laughs> Maybe we can hope. Yeah. All right. Can well, we talk about paradox and sea being on the staff, by the way. 
<laughs> sure. Come on now. Let's get to, get get the get that get that old K State blood back on here, and I'm, I'm actually I'm really excited to see the to see what kind of development we see out of our big guys with Seekels on staff. I'm genuinely interested in seeing that, getting some of that, just that that hard nosed, you know, the 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 Dobermans, right? Getting those guys, get, getting that kind of mentality back onto the staff, and and I love to see some of that just instilled in our guys back to just being just hard nosed defenders. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, his athleticism and the way he kind of could play more away from the basket, he's more of like the modern big man than some of the the previous big man coaches that his data had. So yeah. Hopefully that'll help. I don't know, Ryan, have you had a chance to talk to either of those assistants yet? No, no, I'm not, unfortunately. Too bad. But yeah, it should be fun. So all right, well that ought about wrap it up. Ryan, thanks a lot for coming on. Always appreciate it. No, yeah, no problem, guys. I, I enjoy being able to do it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, people can check out your stuff at themercury.com or Twitter handle Ryan A. Black. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good luck with your coverage to these next few weeks. Yeah, and th- well, thank you, and, and good luck to you with all those honking horns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah. yeah.